The Charlotte Hornets, they lose again to the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll break that down. Plus, more trade rumors. We're going fishing. Jake Fisher has some new trade rumors for us. We discuss it all today with Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free and available, always free, always available, anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. You can see Doug Branson right there, my co-host. You can find him on his Substack, stack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And you can listen to me, Walker Mail, on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app. And create an account, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Yeah, I didn't feel like going with the game time stuff either. Just, I guess, too many wow. losses, too many 20-point losses, another record allowed, a triple-double allowed, trade rumors again where you know some of the favorites, even if we might think and understand it's necessary, more guys are you know being pried away from this organization. Doug, how are you feeling after watching the Hornets lose to the Pelicans last night? Well, that's a good rundown of what we're going to talk about on the show. And yes, that's certainly all burdening me a little bit, but uh, mainly it's the fact that I'm still snowed in here in Nashville. We're about to get more snow, more ice. Uh, my kid hasn't been to daycare Ooh. in four days. There is just a <laughs> there is just a little top layer of tension that is floating through the entire house. So that's really what had me staring off into space and forgetting to say game time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it takes you off your game time. It is not game time for you. Uh, yeah. I don't have to deal with that. I'm man, more ice, more snow. Coming you will your way. one day, one day Walker, you will. Yeah. And I will be there to yeah. laugh at you. Ha ha. I will say. I've got three dogs and like two fish tanks. Is that, <laughs> does that count? No, it's a, it it's the same not. thing, right? It does not. You could you, have you seventeen. Never, you could have seventeen it, dogs. You could be running a dog kennel, and it wouldn't count. You know, I always use that joke for parents, and and yet they never find it. They always always have that reaction where it's not like, yeah, you know, they, they can't even bring themselves to go along with the sarcasm. They have to understand. Yeah, there's no way you understand, and I won't pretend to. I do understand the pain that it is watching the Charlotte Hornets night in and night out, hoping for the victory. And you know, look, we can do the whole dramatic thing, the misery stuff, whatever. I will say. It did not like they got beat by 20 points last night. I asked them nice. I asked them nicely not to. In the last episode, I was pretty clear. I said, don't. I set the expectation much lower. It wasn't win the game. It was don't get shellacked. And then what do they do? They go out and they take a shellacking. So so they do. Um, It was a slow burn, though, Doug. I, I don't know. It was not over immediately, right? Like they, they had enough runs to get back into the game where they were close. Um, they made 19 three pointers. Mm-hmm. They were 19 of 45. They shot over 40%. Mm-hmm. I think you saw decent play from them on decent stretches of this game. And then you look up and it's still a double digit point lead because Jordan Hawkins is going crazy off the bench because Brandon Ingram continues to, you know, make his three-pointers. It, it wasn't even the mid-range game for him. He made seven three-pointers just from deep constantly. So they were making it rain from deep big time in this one. We, we couldn't make it close enough, Doug. I, I didn't watch this and think, oh, my God, my eyes are bleeding. Like, there have been those games. I that's that's There were some open three-pointers, that's for sure. But 
you know, it wasn't as bad as some other ones. That's what I have for you, Doug. That's it. Well, I'll say that um, I'm ready to admit that maybe that Sacramento win was a miracle. <laughs> there you go. You're finally. Well, in hindsight, yeah. not because not it doesn't stand on its own as a miracle, but I think taken into, you know, as we zoom, as we continue to zoom out and the Hornets now have lost 17 of their last 18. Yeah, that one stands alone as pretty, pretty incredible that they were able to get get a win there. Uh, and you're right. This wasn't as bad. And I think that really has everything to do with the fact that they looked a lot more organized and competent on the offensive end of the floor. Yes. Passing yes. was more crisp. Movement was more crisp. Although that deteriorated as the game went on. You're right. It was a slow, it was a slow boil, a pot of gumbo, if you will, slow boil there in New Orleans. And their offense eventually, once those three started to rain from New Orleans, I think the offense eventually devolved into what we've seen a lot this season, which is the ball may get passed around a little bit, but it's not with intention. It's not driving and kicking. It's more just deciding who wants to take the 1v1 possession with 10 seconds left on the shot clock, right? It's either going to be Miles or it's going to be uh, Terry, or it's going to be Lamelo, uh, you know, in the corner dribbling off his foot, or Miles dr- driving and turning it over, or missing the uh, layup, or Terry. I mean, wasn't missing much. He was of the big three, the the most efficient player. But it is offensively all the big three. They are getting really zero contributions offensively from their reserves. And I think what's frustrating is that they're also not getting a ton defensively from some of those reserves or really from anyone. And that's why you saw in this game two factors on why they lost. Uh, Clifford mentioned both of them after the game, but it, it doesn't take like a basketball savant to understand that they got blitzed from three and they got crushed on the offensive glass. Now they did well in terms of offensive rebounding as well on the second chance points. Uh, battle was pretty even, but the Hornets don't win games if the second chance battle is even. They've got to they've got to defend their own glass and crush the other team. That's how they win. That's how they have a chance at winning. And in this one, they had zero chance because it wasn't even Valanciunas. Usually, it's Valanciunas gobbling up all those offensive boards and putbacks. He led the team with three, but they had seventeen. It was just guys. <laughs> yeah. Every it was small guys. It was bench guys. Everybody was feasting on the Hornets. Um, getting these offensive rebounds. And I I don't even blame Nick Richards because I think a lot of them, especially the ones that Valanciunas didn't get, were a lot of just long rebounds that guys just didn't go after. I mean, this was a game where you needed you needed to come out of that players-only meeting from the last game with defensive intensity, with going after every single rebound, and and you just didn't see that. And, and a lot of those threes were generated from those, you know, long rebounds that then – what kills you, Walker – I know I'm going on a long rant here, but this, deserves, this game deserves a go long off. rant. What kills you on the offensive rebound situation is that you have guys – I don't want to call out anyone particular, but the guy that comes to mind is PJ Washington, who will stand under the basket and do and do nothing and not go after a board. And it's not just PJ. There were a couple of guys that would do this, would just go into the basket and not go after the board. That double kills you because not only do you not get the defensive rebound, but now you have multiple guys standing under the basket, which means there are multiple New Orleans Pelicans who can all shoot. All those guys can shoot. There are multiple New Orleans Pelicans now. All it takes is one or zero passes to find an open three-point shooter, 
and and it's it's bottoms and, and that happened over and over in this game and and that's why you get the very short press conference from Steve Clifford who has said everything that there has been or that is needed to be said at this point yeah no I, I hear you like the, the rebounding it's it's not PJ strong suit Nick Richards did have 12 that you know almost half of them five of them were of the offensive variety and defensively it is frustrating to watch like the PJ stuff I can't help it. Like I, I watch him and I just, I watch him. I pick up a guy at the top of the key, provide resistance as he's driving to the goal the entire time. That player kick it out to a corner. No one be there to cover the corner three. And then PJ be the only one to recognize it and then have to leave the guy that he was covering, driving towards the basket. And then try to provide the best closeout possible when he's already half a court away because no one's covering the three, the corner three like that. That is the defense, right? PJ can't give us three straight buckets, seven straight points, and then miss every other field goal he takes. That's frustrating. Thus is the PJ offensive frustrating experience. Thus is the rebounding frustrating experience, but I can't see PJ continue to be the guy that is picking up the ball and then also having to try to account for the other missed defensive rotation and continue to bag on someone that everybody else will. And I get it. I get it. The, the shot and making lack thereof is frustrating, but my God, like I, that that's what makes me defend him so much. And then yeah. you go offensively where Terry was in his back. Like it, when, when Terry hits the fadeaway sideways floaters from three, Oh, okay. It's Terry time. Cool. Go ahead and cook. I'm ready. LaMelo going to the foul line, starting to see a little bit of a trend here, Doug. I, it's trying to. Well, it's I, inconsistent, 10, right? I mean, if he gets the yeah. whistle, but he's certainly been – I mean, over the three games, you now have a game in which you went 15 of 16 from the free throw line, and now in this one, 9 of 10. Only went only had one trip against Miami, but again, that's not his fault. He was fleeing himself five rows into the friggin' stands in Miami and couldn't get a call. So, yeah. you know, that that's the that's the referee's fault. That's not his fault. But yes, he is determined to get to that free throw line and talk about silver linings in, in a lot of in a lot of poop right now. That was a huge silver <laughs> just line. Straight up said it. <laughs> but you're right, it man. You're right. It is not one guy. You cannot look at PJ Washington or LaMelo Ball or Cody Martin who can't hit the broadside of a barn right now. It is a collective failure. I think you can look at three guys offensively, you know, your your big three at this point, which is Terry. Mm-hmm. Miles and LaMelo and say they're doing all they can offensively but defensively and in terms of rebounding this is a this is absolutely you know a full team problem you can't get beat bench points 56 22 expect to win a game you can't give up 17 offensive rebounds and expect to win a game and and a lot of those threes were bad defensive rotations a lot of over help a lot of pretending well, to play they're collapsing like hell and I don't mean yeah they're just boom yeah. going towards the basket and so net then so now you have this weird phenomenon where everybody is going towards the basket and then they don't get the rebound and now they're not covering the perimeter and then they either get kicked out or you just overcommit on drives and now nobody else is accounting Nick Smith Jr. is is was bad in this one and I love by the way I love Nick Smith Jr. I, I love him. I don't want to get rid of him. Offensively, he's fun. Defensively, you know, he's going to leave his guy open. But, but that he's a rookie, it's fine. It doesn't really matter. That's just how it is right now. But everybody's collapsing so hard. And in the NBA, you just can't do that. Even with the Pelicans, who are a driving team, you give them enough open shots. Jordan Hawkins, who you know the scouting report on him. That was it coming out of college. 
You know he's a good shooter. You know CJ's a good shooter. Brandon Ingram can hit him if he's open, and he was wide open. And the last thing, this is the other thing I, I just thought was funny. This is the joke I want to make. I, I was hoping to God, Doug, that on my Twitter timeline, I was scrolling, I was scrolling, kept scrolling to see if there was anybody that was a Hornets fan or a part of Hornets Twitter that really wanted to say, this would have never happened if James Borrego was here. <laughs> and I couldn't wait because allowing the other team to set a franchise record for three-pointers made in a game, that was the Borrego special. If you remember back in 2021, 2022, three different teams, three different teams still have a three-point made record against the Charlotte Hornets it was the Jazz and the Trailblazers who did it in just like almost a week's worth of time because Borrego refused to cover the perimeter. And my last thing on this Borrego stuff, because it's so frustrating, I think you share this with me, you and I are both alike in this, where it's like people hated Borrego for allowing the other team to shoot 53 pointers and make 25 of them. They could not stand it. Everybody was saying, please just try something different. They hated him, Doug. I remember, you can't fool me. I talk about him every day. And everybody hated it. And now there are so many different people saying, oh, it was a mistake to fire him. That was like, I'm not saying it was the greatest decision. I just, I, again, this is the second rant. It just wouldn't have changed. It's a talent deficiency right now. There's too many injuries. There's a talent deficiency. And people couldn't stand it then. And then, of course, it's Borrego. It's Borrego doing the very thing that he got killed on to us with now Steve Clifford as the head coach. My brain is going crazy. It's such a key point, and I'd like to continue to discuss it yeah. um, because I think it, you know, Borrego was at this game. He was on the uh, he was on the sidelines for the New Orleans Pelicans um, under Willie Green, and I think there's there's a key point here that I think is leading to a lot of the frustration with Steve Clifford and 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 everything that's happening right now. So I, I want to keep talking about it. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Uh, we we both had long rants today. We we needed a vent. I think more so than we realized. We needed it felt a vent good. Yeah, I feel much I feel much there better. Now when I go downstairs, all bets are off. But I feel all good right. right now. I will try to do a longer show then for Doug. Coming up next <laughs> on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. More trade rumors. We're going fishing. You got something, Doug? Yep. Go I'm going ahead. ice fishing. All right. We're going fishing. Jake Fisher has some more trade rumors for us to discuss on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and it's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including the pros and the sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and then you can watch the winnings roll in. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues and so you can go with the receptions and three pointers made combo ten and a half maybe between a couple of your favorite players in each league that is something you can only do here with prize picks prize picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second that player is rebooted prize picks also is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy 
Go to prizepicks.com right now slash locked on and collect your reward for signing up for prize picks. They'll allow you to get in immediately $100 worth, by the way. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com. You won't regret it. Uh, more to come here on Lockdown Hornets. Doug, you said you wanted to continue the conversation from the first segment. What were some of the other points you wanted to make? Well, so New Orleans, this is what I wrote in every Hornets box score. New Orleans reminds me a lot of the 43-win team the last season under Borrego, that Hornets team, because everyone on that team can pass. Everyone on that team can shoot. And they take advantage of that fact and can and can really blitz you offensively. Now, of course, that 43-win team did not have – uh, did not have Zion, you know, someone of, of Zion Williamson's uh, form and, and abilities. Uh, but Miles Bridges, for the most part, did a decent job of neutralizing him. I mean, there were a lot of just sort of ISO possessions that, that Miles had to defend him and did a decent job there. Yeah, 13 and 5. I'll take that from Zion. Yeah, totally. But th- they resemble one another. And I, I think that New Orleans might face the same fate. You know, they may get blitzed in the playoffs. Now, whether they make the actual playoffs or play in, we'll have to see kind of how things shake out in the West. But I'm not sure that that team is really built for sort of sustained playoff success. And that's why when Clifford came in, he was very he was very adamant about that fact that that 43-win team, just even if they had won that play-in game, just had no shot. They were going to get absolutely shelled. by even if they had made a first-round playoff series, it was going to be 4-0. And so he was trying to bring a different culture. Injuries have obviously gotten gotten in the way of that. But as this team gets healthier, I think it's revealing what my suspicion was all along, that this team was built to be a Borrego team. It was not they, – they drafted players. They The few players that they brought in, all of them were brought in to mirror a style that you're seeing in New Orleans under Willie Green, who I think has coached with or played under Borrego as well. And – and so that's the mismatch, and that's what this new ownership group has to figure out. Whether it's Clifford or whatever coach they bring in, I hope they bring in another coach that's like Clifford that understands how to win playoff basketball, <laughs> if he could ever get there. But you have to also have a roster that matches your coach. I don't think this roster matches what Clifford wants to do defensively, and I think that's where all of the frustration is coming in. And he's, you know, he used the word preach. He's preaching defense to all of these guys. And once you start preaching, I think it's it's pretty much over, Walker, because yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really work in the pros. Preaching doesn't work we in the pros. That. that works in college. Um, but they need yeah, they, they need a priest. They don't need preaching. They need a priest uh, to come in and exercise these Here demons. But, yeah, I, that, so that's really my thought, is that this is still a Borrego team being coached by a guy who does not want to coach like Borrego. Yeah, that's 100% true. All right, do you want to move on to some Jake Fisher rumors? Oh, totally. Yeah, let's let's get off this uh, recap train and on to the future train. And so All Jake, right. Jake Fisher brings us uh, from from Yahoo Sports now a few nuggets. Uh, the major nugget, there's a major and a minor. We'll start with the major. Mm-hmm. This is uh, one of his bullet points here. The Hornets have indicated that they will be more active this deadline with influence from new ownership than how the front office has conducted business in previous transaction windows. Yeah, 
let's just celebrate. Let's let's just have a good. Uh, I don't know. I can't make confetti rain from the sky graphically, but if I could, I would. I mean, that's that's exciting to hear that new ownership. If 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 Fisher has the inside track here on the Charlotte Hornets, which he has in the past, yeah. then I think we can be excited that new ownership is focused on doing something something just something yeah i was well and i read that on air yesterday on weston walker and and after that line where it said they're going to be more active this deadline i was like yeah i mean okay the bar is on the floor <laughs> one is one is greater than zero yeah. <laughs> it's more active it just active montrez harrell is by far the biggest trade they've ever made in the mitch Kupchak era in season so yeah more more active here at the deadline and some of the guys that jake fisher mentions here and i know we've got some other rumors out there uh terry rogier this is the interesting phrase uh phrasing here um terry rogier's strong play has made the combo guard a more viable trade candidate than ever at his 24 million average annual salary with a known preference to join the miami heat wow league sources told yahoo we have not heard Terry's preference here. We have heard where maybe he would be a good fit. And maybe we've heard that Miami might be interested in Terry. Maybe we've heard that. But I don't think we've heard that Terry has been um, giving his preference. And so now you have this question, Doug, of like, if you're the Hornets, I hate these conversations so much. But if you're the Hornets, then how much of a solid do you try to do for Terry Rozier and make every attempt to trade him to the Miami heat? If that's where he wants to go, or if there's another team, he doesn't want to go to all that much more, but the package is, I don't know, even 15, 20% better. Like the Hornets can't be picky and choosy. They got to take the best offer here. Right? Like, so I, I always hate this kind of stuff when we have that debate. True. Yeah, totally. Now it is, it is pretty well known that Terry Rozier lives spends most of his time in Miami in the offseason when he held yeah, a camp yep. a couple of years back uh, for a sort of a pre-preseason camp for players that happened in Miami. So, yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise that he, he just wants no. to be in Miami. You know, I don't know if he – I'm sure, look, Miami's a winning team. They've been to a couple of champions – they've been to a couple of finals now, so who wouldn't want to be in that kind of environment? Does It would be interesting to see – I think Terry Rozier does match heat culture. I think he is the one little breath – uh, no, yeah, of, he would. of hardworking culture, of doing whatever it takes. He did it in this game against New Orleans, 7 of 11 from 3. The shots that he's hitting are ridiculous. I think he could help Miami, who is um, in, in in need of a little bit more scoring. Um, I, I think that, that that's something that could work. But, yeah, you're right. Do they do him a solid? I mean, personally, I would like them to do him a solid. I mean, look look at what he's done for this franchise in the midst of, you know, he has been the one entertaining factor. And I don't even want the team to trade him, because, especially if it means this team is going to get super bad because I really feel bad for season ticket holders and people who do want to go to the arena and watch this team play. He has been the, the, the sole source without LaMelo Ball on the floor of entertainment. Now, if LaMelo Ball can stay healthy, then then they'll have that. But Terry has been been very good for this team. But if he wants to go to Miami and they can make it work, and you know Miami doesn't take them to the woodshed on the offer, then then I think um, you know it would be it would be good for them to do that. And look, the franchise has to reestablish a reputation. The franchise's reputation is in the toilet right now, and players you know players talk, and agents talk, and uh, front office representatives talk. 
And the Hornets are viewed as a team that is not a team you want to go play for because, you know, cheap accommodations, because they don't treat players uh, right. And and more and more we're seeing players exit this franchise like Kelly Oubre. And in their first press conference availability, they're talking bleep yeah. about the Hornets. <laughs> like, as an organization, you do have to focus on reestablishing that if you want to attract players to come and play and, and re-sign for your franchise. So honestly, you know, even if they had to take a slightly lesser deal for Rozier, I'm, you know, I, I might be a little bit fine with them finding a destination for the player that has contributed the most to this team in the post-Kemba era. All right, let's have that same conversation, except about a different player, and let's do it in the next segment. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Is there another solid you do for a player as you watch them leave the organization? Probably not, but what player are we talking about? We'll get to it in the last segment here on Lockdown Hornets. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And at the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, billion with a B, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. It's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is also brought to you by Game Time. Game did Time. It. There you go. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase, and you can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event as well, and even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last-minute seats. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on the tickets for football, basketball, baseball, but not just sporting events, also concerts, comedy, theater, even more than that. With zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for big time savings. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Locked on for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. More Locked On Hornets ahead. All right, Doug, the other player I wanted to have this similar conversation about, it's Gordon Hayward. And I thought this was interesting, too, from Jake Fisher about the Charlotte Hornets. So here's what he has to say. While there's plenty of rival interest in veteran wing Gordon Hayward, He seems more likely to change teams by way of a buyout as opposed to a rival club sending out $30 million to match his expiring salary. Okay, so we have not talked about the buyout option for Gordon Hayward. Haven't really talked about that. To lose presumably Miles Bridges 
and an expiring salary such as $30 million like Gordon Hayward for nothing on the trade market. Yes, you free up the books either way, and that's nice. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like you could still get something from Gordon Hayward. I I feel like that. I do know well no not not keeping him like trading him is what I'm saying. I know. I know my, what you're I know what you're saying. Oh, I'm still, you're still laughing. I'm you don't still, think so? Well, I'm still laughing because he's been out for the past couple of weeks with a calf strain, one of one of many injuries in his time here. I just don't as that's a, true. A, a rival team, that, I'm just not sure that they would really be willing to give up all that much for a guy that they weren't confident could even play, you know, that many games true. for them late in the season. You know, because you're talking about a team that would be giving you something to get late season Gordon Hayward because they're going to have to re-sign him or let him go. <laughs> so, like, I don't know what I would give up. Expiring salaries, maybe. Like, that's what I'm thinking. But the the reason I'm bringing this up is because, if you'll remember, Mitch Kupchak, he talked about not really being in the business of buying guys out. So uh, that was early on in his tenure here. That That's just not anything that he's interested in. I, I forget what press conference it was, but it was in an honest one, as he is one to have with the people that he's not really in, and that's not in his interest because it's, you know, doing the player somewhat of a solid, you buy him out and then he gets to go wherever he wants to. And then you don't get anything in return. And even if it's laughable, quite literally to suggest that maybe they could get something from Gordon Hayward on the trade market, I would at least like to try that by the deadline or, you know, I, cause you're not going to do it this off season. And then the buyout option, I guess it ha- would have to be after the deadline. And then you're, what you're allowing him to go somewhere else. And so that that's, what's interesting. The buyout stuff. It's just not anything that we've talked about Doug. Yeah. So I'll go back to something that I said in that last segment, which is that there is some value in players, not going to other teams and, and talking bleep about your franchise because they did you wrong. There, there's some value to that. And so that's, that's the incentive for a team to have a buyout is to keep relationships to, to have that, you know, institutional value. So there, there is something to that. Now, I don't think that whatever you could get back for Gordon Hayward, which I don't think is all that much, whether it be a second-round pick or, uh, you know, some other piece, is worth what you would have to take on salary-wise, long-term salary-wise. I think the Hornets yeah, would Yeah, long-term, no. Right, I, well, but I think that's you know to make that thirty million dollar number work, you would have to uh, you have to figure that out. Unless there was a big salary out there that was expiring that would make a lot of sense, but I, I just don't I don't think that deal is going to materialize. And and whether or not Mitch Kupchak is really in the business of doing that, from this Jake Fisher report, I think I don't know that Mitch Kupchak is going to be necessarily leading the focus of this trade deadline period. I think there are going to be some other voices in the room that represent this new ownership group that might be moving this franchise in a particular direction uh, more so than Mitch Kupchak at this point, but we'll see. Well, now, so we bring up the heat. Kyle Lowry has an expiring $29 million contract. So if you don't trade Terry Rozier there and the heat are desperate enough for a shooter and some more offense where Gordon he started to come on a little bit stronger as the season went on 
maybe you just swap those salaries. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. And then you add whatever else would be enticing for the Hornets. Do you want to move on to the PJ stuff? I know PJ is also uh, apparently linked to Dallas. Any thoughts there before we move on to Eric Collins? He's been linked to Dallas. That's where he's from. He's been linked to Dallas a lot during that um, offseason yep. when uh, P.J., this past offseason, P.J. was playing hardball with the franchise, and the franchise stood firm on what they thought P.J.'s value was. P.J. was, I think, flirting with Dallas, but Dallas ultimately decided uh, to go in the Grant Williams direction and make that move, but it seems like they may still be looking for, according to this report from Fisher, they're still looking to add some talent at forward and so look yeah I mean if the right offer comes along for PJ send him to Dallas sure why not I mean I think at this point um you know you you've just got to change the the direction and I I think honestly the, the Hornets should be looking for attitude players you know if you're going to bring on players that have a couple of years on their deal I really hope that they are guys that can reset the locker room I think that should be the goal for the franchise at this point is to reset this locker room and move it into the direction of a locker room that that really takes pride on the defensive end of the floor um because you know they, they eventually they need to seek out a locker room in a season that you look back on walker and go that's when the run started it won't be this season maybe it could be next season where the record doesn't look great but you look back on it and go, yeah, they had a group of guys there that really started to set the foundation of how this franchise operated in the future. And then they added a few stars to play alongside LaMelo Ball. And that really got the, and Brandon Miller evolved into a star player. And that really got the franchise moving in the right direction. But you look back on that one season and they just brought some underrated names that really moved this thing in the right direction. I think that's what this franchise should be seeking out as they move into this trade deadline period and into the offseason when they'll have even more opportunities to make that happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at some of the names here. Grant Williams, that was somebody that was linked to Charlotte. And, and I know Grant Williams has kind of been hot and cold with them. Josh Green, same thing, although he's playing better here as of late. But that was a guy that if you look at the last couple of years, it people like him. He has a contract that he's making um, about $12 million a year or so. And so the salaries would, would match there. Um, he is playing more lately, but there have been some, he had an injury earlier in the season at the beginning of the season, you saw some like 17 minuters, 18, 19, 20 minuters. And so, I don't know, maybe just some interesting names to toss around. All right. Final thing, uh, Eric Collins, how about Eric Collins? Couple reasons that he's in the news. One, if you watched the game last night, that's not why Doug is clapping. I'm sorry, I, I let off with the wrong thing here. But if you were watching the game last night, you heard Tom Wormy on the call because Eric Collins missed a game with an illness, the only game that he's missed while being the play-by-play announcer for the Charlotte Hornets, which is crazy because this comes on the heels of him having won the National Sports Media Association North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year. Well-deserved. You've heard me, I just, we did this last week. It was after the Spurs loss where Eric Collins, I praised him not for the exciting calls, but also just for the normal flow that he's amazing at as a play-by-play announcer. He actually ties with Mike Salarte, who is a part of Spectrum News One, sports director. I joked with Mike yesterday, You any anywhere you go to cover sports here in Charlotte, he's there. He's at Charlotte men's basketball, Charlotte women's basketball, NASCAR, Queens, 
Uh, he's going to Davidson. He's going to the Charlotte Hornets. It's he's it works incredibly hard. So I think two deserving guys. We'll focus on Eric Collins here, though. Doug, what do you make of Eric Collins winning this award? Oh, it's great. I mean, it's a. I think it's a sort of a. It's gonna. Anytime you spend eight years around this franchise, it's a lifetime achievement award because it feels like a lifetime. Uh, but he has brought life to a franchise that hasn't always been producing you know, exciting stuff on the court. He's made that exciting. I can't wait until this team does get exciting again because it brings the most out of Eric Collins. You know, he lifts up uh, bad seasons, but he is really in his fully his full form when this team is is producing an exciting brand of basketball like they were just a couple of seasons ago. Um, and, yeah, it's a, a total total boss move to win an award and then take a day off. That's great. I mean, I feel like that's right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> that's what I would do. I would get an award and be like, all right, I'm finally going to take it. Finally going to take a sick day, I think. Um, but no, you know, <laughs> there were a couple of exciting plays, and uh, w- yes. one of them being Lamelo Ball getting uh, had a defender in his shirt and managed to get by him, throw the ball off the backboard, and then lay it in. Crazy exciting play. Felt like it was called like it was the front nine at TPC Sawgrass. It, all I'm saying is yeah, Eric no. Collins sorely missed. Like that would have been a that was like right in Collins' wheelhouse right there, and uh, we didn't really get the call. I think that that particular play deserved. Yeah, yeah, tough, tough, tough job for Tom Wormy, who is also totally, yeah, totally stepping in for a legend. It's always going to be difficult. Probably short notice. Uh, the team's not very good. I I get all that. I get this is not really. That, well, I'm sorry. That probably came across as a wormy hit job. I apologize to Tom Wormy, uh, <laughs> friend friend of the show. Watches watches every show. You know, sorry Tom. I, what I mean to say is that Eric Collins just would have would have really enjoyed that play. I think. Yeah, he would have. All right, that'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. Go check out Doug continue with his wormy slander on every hornets box score.com and then it was an incredible play i just wanted it was just like and there's a layup all right (laughs) you can listen to me on wfnz every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m have a great rest of your day we'll be back with you tomorrow to close out the week 